0: It is a joy to be in worship with you all today in person and a joy to have all of you joining us online as well. Today we start a new sermon series called Advent Surprises. We're going to look at Luke chapter 21 verses 20 through 28. I will read from the New Revised Standard Version and the title of today's sermon is Doomsday Advice. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies then know that its desolation has come near. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those inside the city must leave it, and those out in the country must not enter it. For these are days of vengeance, as a fulfillment of all that is written. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress on the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be taken away as captives among all nations and Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled there will be signs in the Sun the moon and the stars and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves people will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Let us pray. Lord God in this preaching moment I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word help them to hear your word and Lord help us all to do your word I pray in the name of Christ our Lord amen have you ever thought seriously about a possible doomsday scenario. If there's a meteor strike or a nuclear explosion and total chaos breaks out and martial law is declared, do you have a plan? I read about a guy in Illinois who has been saving batteries and purchasing extra lighters just in case. He's got 50 pounds of meat stored in a freezer and two 30-pound packets of survival seeds in order to start a farm in the aftermath. He and his extended family own a house in a rural area where they all plan to meet if everything goes south. The property has a water source, he says, and is situated in a defensible location. Folks like this man are sometimes called preppers because they make elaborate preparations for the potentiality of apocalyptic disaster some preppers have underground shelters stocked with guns ammo generators even hazmat suits for the whole family when we lived in north carolina i met a man who was ready i visited his family at their home one afternoon and he told me about the shelter he had fashioned on their property and about the many things he had stored in there, including food, bottled water, generators, weapons. Even those who don't make such extensive plans may occasionally wonder what would happen if nuclear war broke out or some other destabilizing event caused society to unravel into lawless pandemonium. You might have come to church expecting a sweet little Advent service, but surprise! (laughs) Jesus is talking doomsday. He's talking Armageddon. He's talking full-on apocalypse. He says in Luke 21, When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places, famines and plagues. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, he continues, know that its desolation has come near. There will be great distress. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. Nations will be in confusion. The sea will be in an uproar. People will faint from fear. Greek term translated faint literally means to lose your breath. So it can mean to faint or it can mean to die. Fear will kill, says Jesus, when there is war, when there is chaos, when there is confusion. Fear will rob breath. Fear will steal life. Fear will end existence for some even when it's not the moment of the final apocalypse fear can put a squeeze on us because of this it's important to evaluate whether our daily mindset is grounded in christ or grounded in fear politicians play on our fears because we vote against that which we fear. News media play on our fears because fear gets ratings. Huh. Internet algorithms play on our fears because fear makes for good clickbait. Corporations play on our fears because fear sells. Yet, Jesus reminds us that fear also kills. It burglarizes breath. It pilfers life and pillages liveliness. Fear leads us to act out of horror rather than holiness, out of terror rather than tenderness, out of panic rather than peace, out of jitters rather than joy. Fear stymies our spirituality and contaminates our ethics. Anytime we function in fear, we are probably not functioning in love, because First John 4.18 says perfect love drives out fear. Anytime we operate in fear, we are probably not operating in the Holy Spirit because Second Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Yet when horrific things are happening in the world, and we feel like we are inhabiting a scenario similar to what Jesus described, and the plague of COVID-19 sweeps the earth, And famines decimate areas of Africa. And nation rises against nation. And Russia attacks Ukraine. And earthquakes strike Indonesia. And mass shootings unfold in Colorado Springs, in Chesapeake, and in Charlottesville. How are we supposed to live in anything but fear? Well, after all the talk of disaster, chaos, and confusion, Jesus says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. This means that even the end of society, even the end of the world as we know it, is not the end. Wars are not the end of the world. Chaos is not the end of the world. Pandemic is not the end of the world. Neither a meteor strike, nor a nuclear attack, nor earthquakes, nor famines, nor any other disaster is the end of the world. We will know the end is here, says Jesus, at the advent of the Son of Man. We will know the end is here, says Jesus, when the Son of Man comes. This is a reference to the Old Testament book of Daniel, chapter 7, which says, I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the ancient one and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away and his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. In view of this Old Testament background, the son of man is a divine end times figure who is coming to set up a kingdom that shall have no end. That Jesus identifies himself as the Son of Man is nothing short of remarkable. Here's a man born to a poor family, raised in a tiny town, working as a carpenter, and walking around ancient Palestine, claiming that at the end of all history, after all the wars, chaos, and pandemonium have reached their climax, he himself will come in glory to set up God's everlasting kingdom. This is one reason it simply will not do to call Christ merely a great teacher. Since Jesus claims to be the son of man, he's either an egomaniac, and thus not a great teacher, or he's a liar, and thus not a great teacher, or he really is the son of man, and thus much more than a great teacher. It must be recognized that Jesus had an extremely high estimation of his own prominence, his own role in history, his own importance to humanity. In Mark's gospel, he claims to be the Messiah, the long-promised King, the Savior. In John's gospel, he claims that he and the Father are one, that he is one and the same with Almighty God. In Matthew's gospel, he claims that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And here in Luke's gospel, he claims to be the Son of Man, the divine end times figure who will set up God's eternal kingdom. Some of you may have read scholarly theories stating that the early church must have put these claims on Jesus' lips because the historical Jesus would not have thought of himself in such lofty terms. But even E.P. Sanders, a preeminent academic scholar of Jesus' life, who stringently applied the canons of historical scholarship, to the gospel texts, and who registered some skepticism about some of the things recorded in the gospels, nonetheless concluded that Jesus thought he was the Messiah. Therefore, the British preacher John Stott rightly observed the self-centeredness of Christ's teaching and the unself-centeredness of his behavior. Stott wrote, In thought, He put himself first, indeed, last. He exhibited both the greatest self-esteem and the greatest self-sacrifice. My point is simply that Jesus is the Savior, or he's a sham. He is nothing in between. For us who believe he is son of God and son of man, there is always hope even in the greatest tribulation. There is always hope, even in the worst adversity. There is always hope, even in the throes of chaos. There is always hope, even when the oncologist has bad news. There is always hope, even when there's an empty chair at Thanksgiving. There's always hope even when finances are tighter than they've ever been. There's always hope even when the surgeon says yet another procedure is necessary. There's always hope even when hospice is called in. There's always hope even when it feels like the whole world is caving in on you. There is always hope even in a doomsday scenario. Our impulse amid signs of doomsday Might be to crouch in a corner somewhere and shrivel up. I wonder if I can make it out to the Ray Caverns and just wait it out in there. I wonder if I should just go up to my bedroom and hide behind my mattress in the corner. But surprise, Jesus' doomsday advice is not to shrivel up in fear nor to cower in the corner. His advice is rather counterintuitive. But sometimes... The expert advice is, as someone who enjoys hiking, I have familiarized myself with the expert advice on what to do if you unexpectedly encounter a grizzly bear in the woods. Here's what the experts say. First, don't run. I found that helpful because my first instinct would be to run and hide. Second avoid direct eye contact and walk away slowly. I think I could manage that. Third, if the bear charges, stand your ground. I found this to be truly surprising advice, so I checked to make sure I was reading a credible source, and I cross-referenced it with several other sources to be sure, and it turns out that if there's a a six-and-a-half-foot-tall, 500-pound bear charging you, the expert advice indeed says to stand your ground. Here's the best part, and I quote, Speak in a soft, monotone voice. And wave your arms to let the animal know you are human. I thought this was the wildest, most counterintuitive advice I had ever heard until I read Luke 21. Listen to Christ. When these things begin to take place, Stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When you start to see yourself surrounded by adversity, when you start to see conflicts swarming like hornets, when you start to see signs of apocalypse and contagion, confusion, when you start to see earthquakes and famines and wars and insurrections and other destabilizing events and you start to see people fainting from fear, stand up and raise your heads for your redemption is drawing near. I know it's counterintuitive, but this is doomsday advice from the expert of all experts the teacher of all teachers, the authority of all authorities, and the king of all kings. When everything appears to be spinning out of control, when the world as you know it appears to be ending, don't crouch in a corner. Don't shrivel up and fold. Don't be overcome by fear. Stand up and raise your heads. Keep your head up because Christ is still Lord. Keep your head up. Because Christ is still Savior. Keep your head up because Christ is greater than disaster. Keep your head up because Christ is coming at the last. He's coming, he says, on a cloud. Now, this is not a weather forecast for the apocalypse. You won't look at your weather app on the last day and see a little cloud icon with a high of 58. The cloud Jesus mentions is the same cloud the Israelites followed in the Old Testament book of Exodus. The cloud was with them when the Egyptian army was threatening. The cloud was with them when God divided the Red Sea and they passed through on dry land. The cloud was with them when God provided manna from heaven that they could eat in the wilderness. The cloud was with them when the Ten Commandments were given at Mount Sinai. The cloud was with them when God passed by and said, The Lord, the Lord of God, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The cloud was with them through all the trials they faced, through every leg of their arduous journey, representing the very presence of God in the wilderness. So when Jesus says, They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. He's assuring us that the same God who was faithful to the Israelites long ago will be faithful to us to the end. The same God who led the Israelites will lead us to the end. The same God who helped the Israelites will help us to the end. The same God who was with the Israelites will be with us to the end. The same God who redeemed the Israelites will redeem us in the end. The same God who saved the Israelites will save us in the end. The same God who brought the Israelites through the terrible wilderness into the promised land will bring us through the chaos and confusion of this world into the glorious kingdom of heaven, the everlasting dominion of the Son of Man. So when you see signs, Of doomsday in the world or in your personal life remember that at the end stands christ theologian jurgen moltmann says everything thrusts toward his future and christ is not only the author of our faith but also the finisher christ is not only the beginning of all things but also the end. Christ is not only the Alpha, but also the Omega. Not only the A, but also the Z. And because Christ is the end, nothing else is ultimate. Nothing else is final. Nothing else has the last word. No bad thing is the last thing. There will be wars. There will be earthquakes. There will be famines, plagues, chaos, confusion, death and all manner of trouble but nothing will keep Christ from coming in the end. Nothing will inhibit his coming. Nothing will obstruct his coming. Nothing will impede his coming. Nothing can stop his coming. So this Advent season, let us rise up with hope for Christ is last. Let us rise up with hope, for Christ is final. Let us rise up with hope, for Christ is ultimate. Let us rise up in the face of the charging bear and stand our ground. Let us rise up in the face of chaos and look beyond the turmoil to the truth. Let us rise up despite doomsday feelings in our own hearts and cling to the Christ who is always there for us. Let us rise up and stand tall and raise our heads in steadfast Christian hope, for then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Thanks be to God. Amen.